Not Your Average Mother Runner podcast. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome back to Not Your Average Mother Runner Podcast. My name is Lisa, and today's guest is Elizabeth Sue. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so excited to be here. So I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about you. Well, there's a lot about you, but just give you, a, you know, just a little <laughs> snippet of who you are. But Elizabeth is a wellness writer. She is the founder of Monday Vibes, which is a female-focused newsletter that supports mental well-being and a perfectionism expert on a mission to change the narratives that women have been told about success and happiness. Uh, she also left a six-figure salary at Hot Silicon Valley Startup because she realized she was trying to win a game she didn't want to play. She has since dedicated her career to empowering women, teaching about emotional and spiritual wellness, and changing the rules of the game. Elizabeth, there's more to you than just what I read, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell the listeners and the audience, you know, a little bit more about you. Thank you. Well, I, um, I'm just so thrilled to be here. I can't wait for our conversation. Um, you covered a lot of it. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, I went to school um, on the East Coast, got my BS in quantitative economics and community health. Um and pursued a corporate career pretty um, ambitiously for the next uh, decade. And um, as you read in my bio, and I speak very openly, it took a really significant physical, mental, and emotional toll. I struggled with an eating disorder. I had really high anxiety, um, insomnia, um, you name it. And that kind of sent me down this path of discovering my self-worth. Um, so I quit my job, moved across the country to study burnout and perfectionism in women at Columbia, getting my master's in clinical psychology with a focus in spirituality and mind-body practices. And um, and now I'm an entrepreneur and full-time writer and just love um inspiring others to show up as their authentic selves and embrace imperfection. I, I love it. And Elizabeth, I didn't know you were from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I actually lived a little bit out. I don't know if I even said that to you. I, I, I don't lived, think so. Yeah, I lived back when I was a kid. Uh, I lived uh, in a town called Celine, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Heard you of it? My best friends grew up there. Mm-hmm. There you go. Nobody so knows. Where that. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Um, so Elizabeth, you, you know, a lot of the things that we initially spoke about, <laughs> um, you know, when we think about women and and you know, um empowerment and what is happiness, and I'm sure you going through your journey, like you know, and like you just said, you went through a really tough time because you know, when we think what brings us happiness isn't what we need to, to make us happy. <laughs> yes. And that is, can be so uh, 
jarring, disillusioning, upsetting. Um, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's really layered there. Yeah. And you, and you probably know this, you know, based on your background that, you know, we think that it's the end goal, you know, that's yep. the end goal. And then when we get to that end goal, it's like, now what? And am I even happy when it's really about this journey, right? Mm. Yeah. And that, that's, um, that was probably one of the darkest times for me was that, um, you know, come, come to Jesus, come to Mary moment when you're like, shit, like I, I did it. I got what I wanted and I'm still miserable. Like, mm. fuck, like, what do I, what do I do? Who am I if I'm not this person? Yeah. 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 So before we talk a little bit more about that, I want to discuss a little bit about your research. I know that you did some research in Colombia, and I want you to talk a little bit more about that. What were your findings and what were the things that stood out? Yeah. So I, um, I'll just take you on the, on the journey, on my research journey, and then you can, um, kind of interject with, um, what stands out for you. But, um, so I went into kind of my overarching research question was why are women, why do women continue to be underrepresented in positions of leadership and underpaid? And as an aside, why do, why, why are all women exhausted? Really? Was it? Like mm-hmm. if we're working our asses off and still not reaching that level, still not getting paid that level, like what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I have to say, it was a really emotional journey. This um, this research process, as I'm uncovering study after study that was like speaking to my soul and putting words to what I had intuitively felt in my experience in corporate, in my experience in the academic system, um, just what it's like to be a woman uh, right now in 2020. Um, and so one of the one of the first things that really clicked for me was um, I came across a study that talked about um, how the workplace, how the the workplace as we know it these days um, continues to be the site of a masculinity contest culture among men. And it's, it's like kind of wordy. So it essentially just talks about um, it's really the, the patriarchy infiltrating itself into the workplace. But that was a real aha be- moment for me because for so long, um, I had felt and I observed in the clients that I coached that um, it was that we and me, Elizabeth, could not could not hack it. Like it, uh, it was because somehow I wasn't um, prioritizing well enough or being, um, you know, assertive enough or there was something wrong with me where I was not able to get ahead, or at least even have the work-life balance that was sort of promised to me. Um, and in these um, these cultures, which we're all very familiar with, um, are four norms, put work first, show no weakness, dog eat dog, competition, and strength and stamina. So you're like, okay, that 
rings true. Um, but here's the kicker is that when you look at what men, traditionally white men, have been conditioned to be in the world that perfectly aligns with what you need with with these norms, with what you need to succeed in the workplace. And so they're, you know, like coming in and just being themselves and like it's working for them. And then for women, it's like, oh, we're supposed to be collaborative. We're supposed to be quiet. We're supposed to not really have an opinion. Um, And so then if this is what's expected and rewarded in the workplace and it is counter to everything that we've been taught and what is expected of us, there's a real conflict there. And, um, and it, it's women, it's people of color, it's um, sensitive men, it's anyone who doesn't conform to these norms. So then I was like, wait a minute, if these nor if one of these norms is show no weakness, like what's happening with perfectionism? Like, it seems to me that we are encouraging and rewarding perfectionism. So then I went down this rabbit hole of understanding um, perfectionism, specifically perfectionism in corporate women. And my mind was just being blown. I was like crying. My mind was being blown. It was very intense experience. Um, because I was learning that um, perfectionism is broken up into three, um, there are three manifestations of perfectionism. One is self-oriented. So that's when you're very hard on yourself and you have very high expectations of yourself. The second is other-oriented which is you can think of um, a micromanager. So someone who has, um, who, because they have expectation, really high expectations on themselves, they have really high expectations for other people. And then the third is the um, socially prescribed, which um, is actually the one that it has been increasing um, at the most rapid pace. So there's, um, there, there isn't a lot of research on this topic, but the, um, there was recently, um, a pretty extensive meta-analysis that looked at, you know, all the studies on perfectionism. And it showed that over the last 30 years, perfectionism has increased 33%, um, mostly due to this socially prescribed perfectionism. And so that's like, Hollywood, the beauty industry, academia, grades, um, the workplace. And so you're like, okay, this is so much larger than me. Mm -hmm. And there's, there was some grief in that, but also some relief where it's like, oh, I'm not fucked up. Like Mm -hmm. this, this happened to me. And if you're, you know, if, if you are marginalized in other ways, like you're, you're, that's just like a, adding on to the ways that you're trying to conform to this system. And what's interesting about perfectionism um, to me is it's 
the it's internalized oppression, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you almost think that now as you were talking and you you were mentioning this, um, you know, just based on the research, do you think that, well, I'm sure you already think this, but we're set up for failure, Elizabeth. It's tragic. (laughs) So, I mean, we are basically as, as women, you know, when we go into the workplace, we are set up, you know, based because yes. of how everything is, we are set up for, for failure. Yes. And it, it, it's infuriating. It's upsetting. It's, um, and some days I have to be honest, I just like, I like could barely get out of bed because I, um, I felt really hopeless. <laughs> I felt like, Almost, I mean, this is such a perfectionism thing, right? Control. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was almost like, if I can't, if I can't like do something specific to like make this go away, and of course, like there's personal responsibility and personal healing and all of that. Um, But, you know, as I was doing this research, it looked, it looked pretty bleak and it, made me really question all of kind of the the pain I had put myself through to contort myself into someone who I wasn't to succeed in this like fucked up system only to make me feel bad about myself. I was like, wait, that is horrible. And it made me so sad. You know, I have a lot of friends that are still in corporate and like some people don't have the option to go off and um, be an entrepreneur. And I was just, I, it really had almost like survivor's guilt. And I was like, you know, at the same time, I'm like run the other way. Like this is like brainwashing you to thinking that you're broken. Um, but also it's like some people, you, you have to do what you have to do and I can't bring everyone with me. And like that, is really sad to me. And I, I'm still kind of reconciling how to support women who are still in the system and how to support women who are outside of the system. Um, because I, it's got, it has to be a two pronged approach. Yeah. And you know, it's funny that you're, and we're actually going to start talking a little bit about before we talk about the women empowerment piece, I want to talk a little bit more, we should talk about your experience um, in the corporate world because it's just a really great segue. You know, it's interesting because I worked in sales, consulting, account management. So I actually was on mostly, and I was in healthcare. So I was in mostly all female teams. And I had some supportive bosses, some more toxic, like you're describing. All Silicon Valley startups. Um, kind of pride themselves on, you know, they're like kombucha on tap. They're like free sweatshirts. They're like cool perks. They're unlimited vacation and like all these things that make you, that give the illusion of work-life balance or give the illusion of this like a magical paradise. Mm-hmm. Um, and very, I call it um, seductive. It's a very seductive life where they it's almost like, I can't think too hard about it because it makes me, it like, just like gives me the creeps a little bit about how like 
enticing it is to 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 be a part of this um, type of culture. Um, and it certainly was better than where I was coming from. So that kind of messed with my head a little bit too. Um, and I kind of, you know, would intellectualize it and rationalize, well, you know, it could always be worse or like, at least you're not, you know, having to wear a suit all the time or, you know, all these things. But, um, but once again, you know, I was on, um, Uh, tasked to be on the culture committee. I was tasked to be, um, I started a women's group. I mean, that's, you know, something that I did because I love that. And it's like, oh, of course I would kind of be where I am today um, because I've always been doing that. But, uh, you know, those those were little ways that I was uh, trained to to show up as my full self and support the women around me. Um, I was asked to be, um, I was the only one on the team asked to be a mentor to junior staff. Um, And at the same time, while I'm, you know, have my hands in all these pots um, that takes away from, you know, client work. Um, I had colleagues that were getting, you know, um, more attractive or bigger accounts, um, and then I was passed over for promotion. And, and that was, that's just one tangible example where, um, when I think about it, you know, and I've since in the burnout literature have researched a lot on, um, emotional labor, the emotional labor of women in the workplace. And, um, I can't help but wonder now that I, I'm kind of on this, um, it's silly to say new, but like, for me, it really is kind of a new exploration of my racial identity. I'm half Chinese. And um, I can't help but wonder when I look back, um, some unconscious biases there as well. Um, Chinese, you know, Asian women being hardworking, being the yes, yes uh, people, the quiet, submissive ones. Uh, on an aside, I just didn't care. (laughs) Like I like days felt so long, even though all I was doing was like responding to like mindless email. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this can't be it. Like this can't (laughs) be all there is to my life. <laughs> like <laughs> sending emails, like putting out fires, saying I I write a lot of kind of like poetry about this. Um, but I'm like putting out fires, saying the word putting out fires, telling people that I'm putting out fire. Like I just want to not like even have the ling- lingo. Like even that was annoying to me. Um so was there something that- was there something that happened that was like kind of like your breaking point like i mean you're you first of all it, kudos to you that you even questioned that <laughs> that you is this it is this is this where it's going to be i mean seriously people don't ask that question that they don't and then before they know it they're retiring and they're like i wasted my life you know and here you are asking that question you know do you think that there was was this something that just kind of was like the the straw that broke the camel's back that you were just like, what the hell? You know, it's a good question. Um, and I've been thinking about it a lot. And it's actually, I had hit several rock bottoms before like that. Um, 
in other roles, but this was a, this was a little different. It was kind, it was, so what happened was, um, as linear as you can make these kinds of things, I got married. Um, and in that, that process was very, very stressful for me, which I am almost embarrassed to admit because, you know, feminists, like women's empowerment, everyone's like, you know, like, fuck that. Like, like, weddings don't matter. Like I'm, I'm a chill bride. And I like, I like really wanted to believe I was a chill bride. And inside I was like, you know, so consumed with, um, trying to make everyone happy. And it was like, it was very stressful, uh, personally. And then professionally, you know, it's like having another full-time job if you're, you know, planning a a big thing. And, um, and so as, as the day was getting closer, um, I, you know, was trying to tie up loose ends so that I could enjoy myself. And I was like, I was going to meetings like days before our wedding. And, Um, it's one of those things where incorporate, you know, vacation isn't really vacation. Vacation just means you cram it in either before or you're like colossally behind after. Um, so you might as well cram it in before and try and like save yourself. Um, but I got like violently ill a few days before my wedding. And Mm -hmm. that, that was, I, I was just like, you know, you plan it for a year and like for us, we've been together eight years, you know, so you like, it was like a bit, it was a big deal. I'm like, I'm a feminist, but I love love and I love weddings. Like it was a big deal. And I was so upset. Um, and that to me was a point where I was like, again, like, what am I doing? Like this meeting with Jane over at whatever does not matter. Like, it can wait a week or, you know, like, why are, why do we push so hard? And, and, and then my wedding, it was just like the opposite. It was just pure joy and magic and love. And I was like, wait, this is it. Like, this is the stuff. This is the good stuff. That stuff, I don't want. (laughs) So it was almost like a flip, like not, not necessarily like a rock bottom, but like the opposite of pure joy where you're Mm. like, Oh, that's what it feels like to be alive. Mm -hmm. And I am dead, uh, in most of my waking hours. Um, so that, you know, actually led me to start my first business, which was a mindful wedding coaching business. Um, I called myself the Woola, the wedding doula. Oh, I love Uh, it. (laughs) It was like, it was my like, you know, little side passion to try and like come back to that feeling and help others wake up to that as well. Okay. That is pretty amazing. So out of something that was not... Uh, and you know when you were talking about the situation, the work environment, I almost I, I was thinking about that movie, and I can't remember who was in it, but there it was it was uh, I, I want to say it was mimicking or kind of trying to say that these people working at Google, 
and you know it was like this amazing place creativity all over you know people dressed in jeans and you know just having these little you know creative <laughs> sessions and oh my god just amazing and like you were just saying um you know the, the how it entices you that it was just so casual and you know little you know like you said little do you know there's a lot of other layers of shit going on that probably wasn't even uh, mentally healthy. Um, but then you turned something into your experience into something really beautiful as far as, you know, helping women getting married. And that's a whole other topic we could talk about. <laughs> I know, I know. It was, it was interesting because as I was doing that, I realized like, actually, this is just more of the same and which is why I expanded and, you know, I'm now, and now doing what I'm doing. Cause I was like, Oh, this isn't, this is like life. This isn't just, it just like sometimes comes to a head in these, um, you know, transition periods in life. Yeah. So, you know, you going through like the process with you working at this facility or I'm talking facility, working at this <laughs> corporation and then going into school and doing all this research. We come now to the uh, the big topic of today, which is women empowerment. And I said to you when we first met, I kind of, I think I said this where it, it, it's like a buzzword, like everyone's doing mm -hmm. women empowerment, women empowerment, you know? And then I said to you, you know what? Women empowerment, what really is it? And who does it, you know, you see people talk about women empowerment, but they ain't talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> They ain't talking about me, you know, they're not talking right. about me, the single mom, Latina, uh, hustling, you know, they're not talking about me. And I often thought to myself, do I, I don't fit in that women empowerment group. <laughs> yeah. You know? Do you, you know, it's like almost like these little subgroups of women empowerment and you either, and it's a, it's again, going through this, do I fit in this group or do I fit in that group? And mm -hmm. why is that? And why can't it be just women empowerment for everybody? You know what I mean? So let's yeah. talk about that, Elizabeth, because that's like the topic that we were like, we're going to let go and, and get, get real. I know. It's scary. It's like unleashing. Like there's a, a lot of inside, um, which in and of itself is interesting. I have a lot to say on like anger and women and whatever. But um <laughs> Uh, it is a healthy emotion. Okay. Uh, <laughs> women's empowerment. So I have had a very rocky journey as well with this word, with this field. Um, and I have to say that it was another one of those very disillusioning experiences that was like, very upsetting. Um, and I, I'm just kind of coming out the other side of it, I think, because, um, I was so like, enchanted by the personal growth space, the life coaching space. I got my life coaching. I To back up, I got my yoga teaching certification while I was still in corporate. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's so cool. Um, of course, I like did a style that was like very aggressive with like a lot of chaturangas. And I was so, I was like so competitive. And um, that was many years ago. Um, but 
you know, that was kind of my first foray into this world before I really, you know, looked looked at it with open eyes. Um, and then I got my life coach certification. And um, and part of that process, I realized for me, I really wanted to understand how to create lasting change. And I felt like we weren't, we were just we were staying on the surface and I'm like, I don't like everyone, including me, everyone I work with, like, we all know what we're supposed to do. Like, but like, why isn't it happening and why don't we feel better? Um, and it, it's almost like we are, we're too goal oriented. We don't need like more frameworks to follow. So there's something else happening, which is what sort of propelled me actually to get my master's in psychology. Cause I was like, I want to understand how to actually facilitate deep transformation in people and what's, what's happening below the surface, which, um, now I think you could call it mental health. Um, which I, I didn't know that that's what I was exploring, but it's almost, um, it's almost like, what, what are, yeah, what, what is kind of the deeper issue going on here? Um, and then, um, as I'm, you know, in getting more and more deep into the spiritual space and the coaching world, um, I, I said, you know, I'd be in these coaching groups and these, um, these workshops and these master classes and, um, I would look around and be like, huh, like no one else looks like me. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it took a long time to realize that because what is a trip, which is, you know, part of my own journey um, right now around my racial identity is I've been traditionally in all in white all white spaces i went to i grew up in a predominantly white uh city i went to a predominantly white prep school um i went you know my academic uh career mostly white colleagues and white teachers um the workplace everyone was white (laughs) so when everyone is white and you're not and you're a woman of color you it's almost like you don't know, at least for me, sometimes it was like, I didn't notice it because I didn't see a difference. And I just thought I was, I I was white. Like I, that's been, um, a big, I don't know, falling out for myself, but almost like a reclamation, I would say, um, of, of, of that realization. But it, it occurred to me, I'm having this experience personally and professionally while I'm doing the research, which was like very, I I guess I can, I'll say complimentary, but also Mm -hmm. like doubled the intensity of what I was uncovering because, uh, um, you know, I'm realizing that a lot of, you know, a lot of burnout is these internalized messages um, or these um, external messages that you have to work harder. So the pay gap is just a very easy example of the fact that people of different races and people of different genders have to work harder for the same amount of money. So 80 cents on the dollar is still what Mm -hmm. white women, Mm -hmm. um, make compared to white men. And then it just kind of 
gets worse from there. Um, and then perfectionism is self-inflicted. It's self-inflicted messages based on what society expects of you or the messages that you pick up that you are less than. So then you turn it on yourself. And for me, I was just like, the personal experience with the research was so like shattering for me because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, we are giving this blanket message that all you need to do is like change your mindset or like say this affirmation or like believe that you're worthy of more. And, you know, I'm there, you know, meditating all the time, like, please, you know, like trying to manifest my, uh, my destiny. And it's like, oh shit, like I'm being bulldozed me maybe for other reasons or, oh shit. Like I'm like forcing myself to like, you know, have this very, destructive and addictive relationship with work because that's what for my people has allowed us to be successful and was forced upon us to assimilate to this culture. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's when I kind of was like, you know, back to the original question, (laughs) women's empowerment, who gets to be empowered was my thing. And then I was like, oh, that's interesting in the workplace. Like I, they, you know, have all these classes to like boost your confidence and be more assertive. And then when you are, you get penalized. So it's like, hmm, a lot of double standards and mixed messages here um, that really do not actually account for the reality that marginalized people face. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I guess I was going to ask you, what's the, what's the, what's the resolution? <laughs> you know, but, you know, and I, I, I can understand, you know, I, we spoke a little bit about this because this is something that's very near and dear to me because the whole podcast is about women empowerment. And that is why I interview every woman from all work walks of life because women empowerment doesn't only mean a Latina like me, it means a Caucasian woman, an African-American woman, an Asian woman. It can mean anybody. Um, and that's why I bring the, anybody that is, of course, a woman into the podcast. But I can understand what you're saying, because even when you when you said these mastermind, these mastermind classes, these empowerment groups or these networking groups of women, they're brutal. Like they're brutal. And, you know, and you and I think now tell me what you think about this, because I often think that it goes both ways because we have this internal feeling and how we grew up and how we grew up thinking we're different, (laughs) you know, and that's something that's something we have to process Mm -hmm. continuously. That's all. That's just a continuous process for some of us so that we don't say, oh, did she say that because I was Spanish? Or is she not giving me that that opportunity because of this, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's that part of it. And then these the other part of it is those women who are doing the empowering to recognize that, hey, right. we might be feeling this, you know? Mm-hmm. You, you want to talk about women empowerment? Then you also have to address that. Mm-hmm. And you have to know how to 
handle that so that when you are empowering, you make sure that that woman feels secure, feels comfortable, feels herself, her identity, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, I feel like it's, it, it's both ways. It's us doing yes. the work and they doing the work. Yes. I love that so much because, well, first of all, like we can't ever just rely. I mean, that's just kind of a, a dark existence. If we wait for like other people to change, like we can't do that. And I think that's why I, I'm so passionate about therapy and, um, and doing your own spiritual work, because I have to say in this, I I have never met so many people who spiritual bypass and gaslight than I do in the spiritual space, which is doubly fucks with your psyche because you, Mm. you put so much trust because, because of like, you know, you're, we're talking about like your Dharma, your like soul purpose, like your gifts in the world. You know, you really, um, this is a very raw space. And so if you're not discerning who your teachers and mentors are, who you're taking information from, then that can be really damaging and really problematic. So um, I do think that that's part of the work as well. Um, And part of empowerment and self-love is being very discerning who you feel safe with, because I think a big part of empowerment um, is, I I mean, at the end of the day, it's to show up and accept and love yourself exactly as you are. And so where I find it it troubling is when, um, you know, I I kind of made a joke about it earlier about anger, but I'm serious because, um, you know, when, when you live in a white supremacy, capitalist, patriarchal society, like there is injustice and where there's injustice, there is anger. Like, how Mm -hmm. could you not be upset about being treated as less than. So there has to be space for that um, in, you know, expressed in a healthy way or at least validated. That's what it means to be seen. So don't, Mm. you know, like only like selectively see. And I had such a problem with, um, I, I find women forgive too quickly. I find the advice given is often, um, silver lining, um, you know, to the, the whole gratitude binge. Um, mm. you know, there's lots of research to show the benefits of gratitude and like, I am a grateful person, <laughs> but I think there are these nuances that if you're a teacher, you need to be aware of where, you know, you can be grateful. If, if say you, ha- you went through a difficult situation, you can be grateful to yourself for having the strength to get up every day and continue to walk along the journey. You can be grateful for yourself for getting help. You can be grateful for yourself for um, breaking up, uh, leaving a toxic relationship, breaking up with a toxic friend, but you don't have to be grateful for like a lesson they taught you by hurting you or Mm -hmm. be grateful for just a shitty thing happening to your family. You know, there's, there's these subtleties that are extremely important and are empowering. And when that, that validation of your experience and your emotions, specifically when they, when it's anger, um, 
jealousy, guilt, um, sadness, you know, these are, these are things that, um, usually, you know, the good vibes only spaces do not allow by suppressing those emotions that that is very disempowering. Yeah, that that's huge. And I, I'm a big proponent of therapy. I talk about it all the time. Okay. I mean, I'm all about it because I'm saying, I'm sorry, I'm serious. You know, you know, when, how are you, you can self-help books can only help so much, you know, and you really need to do the work and it's not easy. It's hard, but you just mentioning those other, uh, those emotions and the gratitude. And I got to tell you, it's funny that you said that because I had a woman here, um, that's a mindset coach and she's, she talks about gratitude, but man, did she break it down to a way that I did not expect? Cause I was like, what? I mean, I'm going through some shit. What am I going to be happy about? And, you know, and like you said, just the fact that you can get up and breathe, you know, that's something gratitude. But she said to me, your house, your house that allows you to do, uh, to raise your child, like something like that. And I was just like, I never thought of it that way. You know, I mean, you, we got to really think about those emotions, like you said, and it can't be this, you know, happy. And I know exactly what you're, (laughs) what you're saying, where it's like, it's not this happy go lucky. Hey, just change your mindset. You know, and and be happy and be grat and be gracious and be you learned a lesson, you know, and it's I guess you said validation and you got to really validate that person where they're at, where they're at. Yes. And that's a part of women empowerment, women empowerment. They don't talk about that. You know, you everybody is at a different place. You can't Mm. expect them to be. Right. Preach, girl. Preach. Right. Yes. <laughs> we can't expect them to be in the same place as you are or how Sally is to Jennifer or whatever. You can't mm-hmm. do that. And I mm-hmm. and that's why I think that it's just there's needs to be more discussion about it. And I think that when we say women empowerment, we need to be real. Like, just mm-hmm. be let's keep it real, people. Right. <laughs> you know, Yes. I love that. I think we're just, as a society, we're so starved. And as women, we, we have not had space to be real. And that's, um, I, I can feel it shifting. I can feel the younger generations. I mean, I just love, I just love watching them. They're just, they're so much more themselves. They're so much like not, um, conforming to these systems or the checking these boxes. Um, and I have a lot to learn from them. And, but I think that that realness and that honesty is like, that's, that's like all we want. We just like stop bullshitting us, you know, and let's, let's, you know, connect on, on this deeper level and connect um, with each other, we all have different experiences. Um, we all have different backgrounds. And so our path to empowerment will look so different and, um, and it's not linear and Mm. there aren't, there aren't, you know, frameworks to follow. And I think that was Mm. another piece of this, this, that I was kind of uncovering or, um, reconciling for myself is I kept trying to, you know, 
Um, especially as an entrepreneur, I kept trying to look outside myself for answers. That's what we're taught in school. We're taught even, even in, in, um, the workplace, you know, um, having a hierarchical structure teaches you, you know, permission seeking. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I've had to learn that lesson too of, um, you know, these days I, I try to look for, um, not necessarily teachers as much as people who, um, want to co-create with me or, or have a different experience that I want to learn from. But I, I really try to catch myself if I'm putting them on a pedestal, especially if they're, um, you know, a wealthy white woman. Mm -hmm. And I did that so often. And then I, you know, you know, wondered why they didn't always get me, why I didn't always feel seen by them. And, you know, part of that, was their shadow, but part of that too is my shadow in mm. in having been brought up to look up to this this certain type of person and trust that they know better about how I should live my life mm. than I do. Mm. Yes, yes, and you know, you said something that was. Well, you said a lot of things. One of the things you're saying that that's linear. Women empowerment is not linear. And you and no. you mentioning how these women who are, you know, without saying names, there's a lot of these women who are out there talking about women empowerment and they're put on this big pedestal. You know, guess what? There's they're still human. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. still learning their craft. This they're not the they're not the the one that knows everything there is to uplift you, you can learn from them, but they're still on a learning journey. And what kills me is that some of these women need to be real and say, hell, I'm still learning. I mean, how many times, Elizabeth, and maybe you've experienced this where women have come up to you and say, oh, I wish I could be as empowered as you, or I could be as strong as you. And I'm like, okay, first of all, you can. And secondly, (laughs) I'm still going through this journey. I'm not, there is not this end. uh, I'm not the, you know, I'm not like this, you know, the end goal of this, because there is no end goal of women empowerment. And that's something that we're not also talking about, because we see all these women and who wrote all these amazing books, who have all (laughs) these, you know, um, talk deals and whatnot, they're still going through a journey. And I wish that they would be a little bit more vulnerable and saying, I mean, some have, but not all saying that, Hey, I'm still going through this journey and I'm learning from some of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, I think that's the most important part of this journey because, um, I always, and I, I have to catch myself on it too. It's like, what, as soon as you think like you've arrived or that like you like have all your shit figured out or that you are better than someone else. No, it's time to go back to the beginning. Yes. Like, yes. It's just, it's like, sure. You know, you, you hear spiritual teachers talk about, you know, the spiral and the spiral, like we learn the same lessons over and over and over again, which is annoying, but it happens, but you are, you know, 
you are getting to a another layer of it, but the imperfect you'll the imperfection will always carry with you because you're human. And the Dalai Lama talks about this a lot, which I just love because it's like, yes, we need like spiritual teachers just reminding people who are, who have put them on the pedestal. Now that's like, they can't always control that, but Mm. what they can do is try and (laughs) bring themselves back down by sharing, you know, when they've felt anger, when they've felt regret or when they've felt like they messed up. And I think about, you know, the content that I put out there and in my writing, I, I really try to think about, you know, you know, as soon as someone tells me, or I think they perceive me to be the, you know, having like all my shit together, I'm like, okay, it's time for another post, like where I'm crying or like time for another, like no makeup, something, you know, it's like, no, or a public summary of a recent argument that I had with my husband. Like people think like, it's like so rosy. It's like, yes. And (laughs) so we need just more and in the public space. Yes. So, you know, we really uh, talked uh, a lot about women empowerment in a way that I don't think I ever heard talk about women empowerment. (laughs) I mean, we, we went there. Um, and we talked about, you know, just giving a summary of, you know, how it doesn't look like uh, the same for everyone. And, and there does need to be more discussions and research, but you also mentioned the youth. And I got to tell you, um, I said this to somebody else. I said, my, my daughter's generation, the whole other beast, uh, those are young girls who say, I feel this when you just did that to me they're using i statements <laughs> they're being real with their emotions they're oh. not ashamed of it and i am just blown away oh, and you, you know it, 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 i'm telling you i, I that is the generation that's going to make the change because Ooh. i've never seen anything like that the way you know even when i go on social media and, and you know tiktok is like the, the social media for the young kids as well as for me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, these kids, they keep it real. They, mm. Why do you think that way? Well, how come you say that? You know, they everything is on the table. I mean, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but there's nothing hidden. Everything's mm-hmm. on the table. We are being mm. vulnerable. We are being real. Mm. You know, we're there's not going to be this this fakeness. So uh, you so said refreshing. that. I know, mm. I know. And it's like, I am just curious how this is all going to, you know, develop into something amazing. But let's talk about your newsletter. You mentioned a, a little bit about that, but what is the mission of this newsletter? For women, yeah. So the mission of this newsletter is really to change the narrative of what women have been told around success and happiness. And I, I do it um, actually kind of how um, you and I were just saying. Um, the mission is really for me to be as open and vulnerable about my journey and what I'm learning, the ups and the downs as much as possible. And then, and then create space for the reader to, um, to reflect on their life and grow on their journey. So it, 
it includes life lessons and journal prompts and mantras, and then, you know, keep it light with um, some other goodies. But to me, it's, it's this safe space to feel and to be seen and to uh, mess up and be human. And um, yeah, and as it's been growing, you know, it kind of was just my baby, but now it's really growing into uh, and blossoming into a community, which I really love. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to do more um, kind of community issues. And we've got um, almost like a Dear Abby column called Notes from Camp that we're we're, that we do every now and again. And so it's just a really fun um, playground for me and a way for me to um, to connect with people in a real way. And then I think for them, it's this, um, you know, comes out every Monday morning. I wanted it to be this like something they looked forward to on, you know, the start of a busy week and just to be able to carve out space for themselves to um, almost as a form of self-care and it doesn't have to be very long, but it can just be this um, sweet reflection every Monday. I love it. And then, you know, when I went onto your website, you also, there's services that you provide besides doing the newsletter. What are some of those services that you provide? Yeah. Um, so I love speaking um, and being on virtual panels and podcasts like this and just sharing my journey and my research. Uh, it brings me a lot of joy. I also um, do one-on-one consulting. So for people that are also thinking about um, a career transition or um, want kind of the sneak peek behind the tent of, um, of my journey or, you know, thinking of starting a side hustle, that kind of thing. Um, I call it renting my brain. So you can do that as well. And then I have some really fun 21 day challenges, um, on mindfulness and self love that are, um, designed their, um, kind of at your own pace courses that give you 21 different tips and tricks to weave in throughout your life. Cause I found on my journey that there, it was almost like so much information I didn't know what to do with. And so I wanted to really provide something that was very bite-sized where you do something different every day. And then at the end, um, you know, you have a lot of tools in your toolbox. I love it. I love it when you, I love it when people say tools in their toolbox. So, um, because that's really what we need. Um, I do want to mention that you can get to her, uh, subscribe to her, uh, newsletter from her Instagram page, which is what? Your hey, Elizabeth Sue. Okay. And your website is phenomenal. Very well put together and very well written. And it's very, uh, welcoming and, you know, talking about, it's just very vulnerable. And I, I really appreciate you being vulnerable even here as I'm interviewing you. So I wanted to thank you for that. But besides the Instagram page, can you let everyone know where else we can find you? Yeah. Um, my website is elizabethsue.com. And then you can subscribe to Monday Vibes, uh, elizabethsue.com slash Monday Vibes. Um, and we're running a free five-day self-care challenge right now. So it's a fun, a fun way to just carve out a little time for yourself. And I can't wait to have you a part of the community. 
Oh, that's amazing. Okay. So, Elizabeth, we talk a lot. I mean, a lot about a lot. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm curious what the readers and or the listener, well, your readers and your <laughs> and our listeners and, and the audience is going to think about this podcast and interview. I'm looking forward to hearing about the feedback. But I want to thank you again so much for being on here. This has been uh, a topic of mine that I love talking about, and I really appreciate you being in this space. So thank you. Thank you. It was really life-giving and refreshing and joyful for me. So thank you for having me on the show. You're welcome. So I just want to thank everyone who is listening and watching. Until next time, thank you and bye. Bye.